So today I'm beginning another new series uh, entitled, In All Things Love. Some of you might remember that's a portion of a quote by, uh, that's attributed to St. Augustine. Um, this message today is uh, the beginning of a series that I felt the Holy Spirit led me into to address the craziness that has gone on in our world, particularly over the last 18 months. But it began long before that. And, um, you know, there's been so many stories, uh, controversies about the COVID-19 pandemic, face masks, vaccines, conspiracy theories, a lot of harmful misinformation that has caused people, including Christians, to look upon each other with suspicion and instead of the sort of the mutual affection and trust that we've often had. And it really has interfered with relationships in a big way. And some of these things are conspiracies about stolen U U.S. election, um, a lot of anti-science rhetoric, QAnon conspiracy, the Illuminati, the deep state, COVID-19 wasn't real, or it was the pandemic. it wasn't as serious as the media made out. Some of that may or may not be true, but anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, end-time conspiracies play into this thing. The vaccine has something embedded in it, something that's bad, destructive, might be the mark of the beast, all of that kind of stuff. And there's all this craziness that's gone on in our world, and I thought, it's time to address it. And, and as I've been reading and studying and meditating upon Scripture and praying about this, I felt the Holy Spirit really direct me in a strong way to say, Brian, you got to speak to it. And I know it's the kind of message, and you know, I'm not afraid of some dangerous message in a while. And I don't mind. If you get a little bit offended, that's okay. I, my, my, my purpose is not to offend, but my purpose is to hopefully uh, educate, uh, but to give everybody something to think about and to pray about. Um, but unfortunately, what's happened over the last, what, 18 months or so particularly, has polarized the political landscape. We know. I mean, it was already polarized, but it's even further polarized. It's split churches. It has split churches. I talked to a pastor some months ago. He said, my whole church board is split over this thing. They're split over everything, you know, and uh, they're, they're fighting with each other. And I just thank the Lord that our church has not experienced that. Thank you. Thank you. Because you know what? I know today we don't all agree. I've spoken to some of you about it. That's okay. We could disagree agreeably, and you've done that. So God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's, it's split churches. It's broken friendships, and it's divided families. Um, last year... Uh, I was scheduled to meet with a man. He's a gentleman around my age, and he doesn't go to this church. And anyway, he had been sending me all this stuff about conspiracy theories, and it was, you know, anti-mask. And, you know, and, and I got to the place where uh, he said something in a text to me that actually really made me mad. <laughs> and it's, it, it was condescending towards me, I felt. And I thought, you know, I finally need to be honest with him. So I wrote a very, very carefully written, prayerfully written email to him. I didn't send it right away. Don't ever send an email when you're mad. Don't do that. Pray first. Let the Holy Spirit work on your heart and do it in love. And I thought, you know, I did. And I, and I, I, I said, oh, take that word out. Don't put that phrase in there. You know, oh, that sounds inflammatory. Don't do that. And so I kept working on this, and I, I was wordsmithing it. I finally, 
you know, with trembling finger, hit the send button. And I basically, what I said is, I said, uh, your attitude, you know, really is, is I, I'm really concerned about you. I am concerned about your spirit, your attitude, uh, your relationship with God. I said, everything that I'm hearing from you uh, is, it, to me, is wrong uh, biblically. And, and so I just thought I, just, I needed to do this. And we have to do that sometimes. That's called a rebuke. And people say, oh, don't use the word rebuke. Rebuke is in the Bible. Sorry. Uh, sometimes you have to do that. Um, I did this. Well, what happened was this thing eventually went to our district superintendent. And my, our district superintendent, who's like the bishop overall, called me and said, oh, Brian, we need to talk. I got a letter from somebody about you and saying you sent this really nasty email. Well, I'm sure glad I still had that. And I said, well, I'm going to show you the email I sent. And uh, it, it was all good. There was no problem and, and all that. But what happened is this relationship has been broken. Uh, not on my side. I'm not trying to, you know, honestly, I, I want to make peace. But there comes a point where you have to speak out when you think that somebody is really going down a wrong path. Even more recently, um, I have sat down, my wife and I, with people that we know well, people in our family and so on, where we feel that because we've been vaccinated, that we're now looked upon with suspicion. Um, and there's a, kind of a barrier that has gone up. And I'm like, God, what is going on? You know, th this isn't like I'm questioning the deity of Jesus Christ or the Trinity. It's over something like a vaccine. And so a lot of you have been impacted by this as well. I've had a lot of conversations with many of you sitting here today. I've had people ask me, Brian, what do you think about this? And what do you think about James Coates, the pastor in Edmonton who kept this? You know, what do you think? And I preached two sermons on it in early July. You, you should probably give those a listen. Some of you are confused or you're concerned deeply. So I thought, I need to address it. But here's some good news. The Bible actually has something to say about this time that we're in. It actually has something to say about controversies and conspiracy theories. Surprise. So here it is, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, don't worry about the slides yet, guys, uh, but just listen to this. This is what the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to his protege Timothy, he was an elder in the church in a city called Ephesus. He says, Timothy, as I urged you, this is verse 3, 1 Timothy 1, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, the province of Macedonia, he says, stay there in Ephesus, don't leave Ephesus, so that you may command certain people to not teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths, myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote what? Controversial speculations. In other words, conspiracy theories. Rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith, the goal of this command that I'm giving you, he says, is love. And love comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. He says, some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. Meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they have no idea what they're talking about and what they so confidently affirm. He's writing this letter to Timothy and saying, you need to talk about this, Timothy. you got to address the situation. Paul started, read Acts chapter 18 sometime. Paul started the church in the city of Ephesus. He was there for a long time. 
And he taught the believers about all things regarding their new faith. Before he left Ephesus, and you can read about this in Acts 20, he puts elders in charge. He says, I'm going, but I'm going to leave you mature Christians to watch over this flock of God. So in this passage I just read, Paul usually has some sort of customary greetings, you know, kind of some warmth at the beginning of his writings. He didn't do that here. He just launches right at, Timothy, there's some people there that are causing trouble. You need to address it. And so he's feeling really, really urgent about this. So look look at verses 3 and 4 here. He's saying, command them not to continue teaching this way. And so here he talks about false doctrines. He talks about myths, endless genealogies. Now that word for myths, it actually comes from the Greek word mythos. Okay, mythos. And really what he's referring to here are fables, made-up stories, tall tales, that sort of thing. Things that are not true. He says, warn them to not continue teaching these things. Now, Bible scholars who look at and study a scripture, what they do is they always say, well, they were saying, what does Paul mean by myths and endless genealogies? Nobody knows for sure exactly what he's referring to, but it is believed that he was referring to Jewish myths. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that's going to come up here found in another letter that he wrote to a guy called Titus, who was also an elder. And uh, this is what he says. He says there's rebellious people. He said they're full of meaningless talk, deception, He says in verse 11, they have to be silenced. He said they're disrupting whole households. Does that sound like the 21st century a little bit? They're disrupting households. They're teaching things they shouldn't. He says, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in faith. And he says, tell them not to pay attention to Jewish myths. He wrote this to Titus. So in these two letters to Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, he's giving a lot of instruction, instruction and warnings to Timothy and saying, you need to clean up the mess. He's talking about Jewish myths. But here's the thing I want to say today. Our problem today is are not Jewish myths. It's a different set of problems. But the message that he's giving to Timothy is a message that we need to listen to today. When there is wrong teaching, we need to wake up to it and address it. So how did he want to address this? This is what he says in verse 3. Command these people not to teach false doctrines any longer. So when a belief or a teaching threatens our Christian unity, it has to be called out. He says this in verse 4. Such things promote controversial speculations, conspiracy theories, rather than advancing God's work. So this kind of teaching that he's talking about was interfering with the healthy functioning of the church. What is happening today amongst, see, it's happening in the world, not just in the church amongst Christians, it's, but it is happening in the church. And there are Christian uh, networks, podcasts, and so on, many of which I've seen and listened to, that are taking the church down some rabbit trail that we should not be going down. And I thought today I should probably even name some of these. I'm not going to do it today. But you could ask me about it. You can ask me about it if you want to. So he's telling them. He's saying they're interfering with the healthy functioning of the church. 
He wanted them stopped. Now, here's the thing. If I was to ask you today, do you think that I'm 100% correct on everything I say when I stand here? You, you know that's not true. I've had a lot of you challenge me on something. Well, Brian, you know, you didn't say that quite right. Or you forgot to say this. You should have included this in your sermon. Or what did you mean by that? You know, and I've had a lot of that. I love that. You shouldn't just take everything that I say as gospel truth. You should check it with the Bible. So if I make a mistake in my teaching, it doesn't mean that I'm a heretic. It doesn't mean that I'm a false apostle or a false prophet. The concern that Paul had was that it was threatening the unity of the church. It was divisive. It was promoting controversy. So if you read through Timothy's, the two letters to Timothy and Titus, you're going to hear these kind of terms. He warns them against godless myths, controversies, foolish speculations, meaningless talk, false doctrines, quarrels. How often does the Apostle Paul say, don't be a quarrelsome person? Stop picking fights. Don't do that. Be nice. Evil suspicions, he calls them. Evil suspicions. People today are making accusations without evidence. And he says these are evil suspicions. Being a person of suspicious character, you know, and suspicious against our brothers and sisters in Christ, he says evil suspicions. Constant friction. So it stirs up division in the body of Christ. And here's the thing. When we become dogmatic about things that are not clearly taught in Scripture, it causes harm. It's destructive. When he talks about myths, he's not talking about mythic stories like Lord of the Rings. You know, everybody love Lord of the Rings? It's great, isn't it? I love it. I love the movies. I didn't read all the books, but that's, those are mythic stories. That's fine. He's not talking about that. That's not a divisive thing. That's okay. Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. That's okay. He's talking about teaching and speculations that are divisive in nature, that are controversial. John Wesley, um, so John Wesley was uh, an 18th century clergyman. Many of you know who that, this man was. He actually really changed England uh, socially. Uh, wonderful uh, preacher and uh, teacher of the Word of God. And he was a part of what was known as the Fetter Lane Society uh, in London. And eventually he left because what happened is there was some discord and there was differences of opinion about just different points of doctrine. And that wasn't the concern for Wesley. wasn't the difference of opinion. But I want just to read this to you. This comes from a commentary that I consulted in preparation for this message. It says, he consequently withdrew himself and his followers from the Fetter Lane Society and established a new society in the foundry, which was an old building. Wesley made it clear, listen, that this division, him leaving the Fetter Lane Society, did not come about because of the peculiar views of those who differed. He was fine to let them you know, live and let live. But because they insisted that everyone should hold the same opinions. If you disagree with me, and if you don't see it the way I see it, you're not part of my tribe. That was the problem. 
He was tolerant of differences of theology and interpretations of Scripture. And so he withdrew because they became dogmatic about things they shouldn't have been dogmatic about. So here, you know, his concern was it's kind of like bad leaven. So when a cancer starts in the body, you know, it can metastasize. We know that. And it starts in one place, and it works its way through the body. Uh, another metaphor would be bad leaven, you know, leaven that leavens bread. And he said if it's bad leaven, it goes through the whole lump of bread. Uh, or, as we'll find out later, where the Apostle Paul talks about gangrene, you know, and an infection, and it spreads through the whole body, through the bloodstream. And so he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. This won't come up on the screen. He says, in later times, some will abandon the faith and they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. He doesn't say what those are, but this will come up on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, if anyone does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and they understand nothing. They have an un healthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words. And what does it result in? What's the fruit of it? Envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, constant friction, so on. And in our day, these conspiracy theories that are floating around really find life through online social media platforms. And, uh, and it's really, really quite insidious. They promote fear of the other, of the stranger, of people that are different. Fear produces suspicion, hate. There's even slander where people are making untrue statements about people, famous people in many cases, that are completely unfounded, which is slanderous. In the Bible, you're going to hear more about this in the next three weeks, what the Bible says about slander and the sin of slander. There's been death threats against a man like Anthony Fauci, conspiracies about him and, and what he's supposedly up to. Acts chapter 20. This was the Apostle Paul's farewell speech to the church in Ephesus. And he's saying farewell to the elders of the church. And it was a very, very emotional time because he'd been with them for a long time. And he warns them. He says, after I leave, this is what he says, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And you know what? That isn't just happening now locally. What's happening is because of social media, because of you know, television networks and all these you know, uh, Christian broadcasts, some of those are not worth following, folks. Be careful who you follow and who you listen to. And so this is what happens. People sit down there at their laptop or their device and they're Twitter, you know, it's on Facebook, whatever, and they're sending out all kinds of stuff, all kinds of opinions, uh, spreading misinformation. And it looks kind of like this. Oh, over here. I got caught. Okay. Hey, Trent. There you go. What screen do I look at? Okay. 
The people that are watching on, on, online are like, what's he looking at over there? They don't see that. Anyway, that's what it looks like. Do you know how easy it is to make accusations, to make hateful statements when you can hide behind a computer and you can even have like some monikers, not even your name? And folks, it's, and when Christians do it, mm-mm, shame on us. We should not be party to that. And so what this does, suspicion and hate, can produce violence. People say, well, you know what's pretty harmless? I just read the other day, this is the story. This was the headline. Father kills his two infant children because of his belief in QAnon and serpent DNA. A man killed two infant children because he thought they had the serpent DNA. And it was all a conspiracy. Folks, this stuff, it's not benign. It needs to be addressed. So when a belief or a teaching threatens Christian unity, it's got to be called out. There's this passage at the end of Romans, the the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, and this is what he says. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them, he says, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful who you listen to, who you follow online, what you, what you put out there on these public platforms yourself. So when a belief or a teaching threatens our Christian unity, it must be called out. So the problem in our day, it isn't that people are choosing to believe. You know what? There are people I love and I know, and you know what? They believe conspiracy theories. And I'm going, you know, I don't judge you if you believe all that. That's not my, that's not my concern. I might think you're a little off your rocker, you know. But, you know, that doesn't mean you're not Christian because you believe those things. And it doesn't mean I'm not Christian if I don't. But here's the, the thing. It's not what people believe, and it's not just that they look at people who have different views with suspicion. That's not even the main concern. The problem is, is they've turned it into dogma, and they've become unteachable. When a person joins a cult, it is really, really hard to walk them back from that. They've drank the Kool-Aid. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that they're following teachers and they're following, they're, they're, they're listening to prophecies from false prophets. And it's really, they become so convinced and they won't listen to reason. They won't listen to anybody. They won't listen to their closest family and friends. And it's caused that divide. And these opinions have now become weaponized and become a source of controversy and division in the church. So, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm not going to read this whole thing. But this is where in verse 17, if you move ahead there, he says, their teaching will spread like gang green. He said they quarrel about words. He said they, it has no value. It only ruins those who listen. It does. I've seen people who I thought were really good Christians with a heart for God filled with the Holy Spirit, and they turned into something different. And I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? How did this happen? It does ruin people. So we need to speak and act in love. Everything we do needs to be with an attitude of love for one another, including our adversaries. Look at verse 5. He says, the goal of this command, he means the command he's giving 
Timothy. And the command that he's saying, Timothy, I want you to command those in Ephesus. He said, this comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's what you want to have. Make sure your heart is good. Make sure that your conscience is clear. Make sure that you have a sincere faith. Then he goes on to add this, verses 6 and 7. He says, some have departed from these. They've turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers, but they don't know what they're talking about. And that's what happened with a lot of the Jewish rabbis in the ancient world, is they, they took like the law of Moses and stuff, and they, they came up with a lot of fanciful and weird, you know, uh, bizarre interpretations in many cases. And that was one of the things that the Apostle Paul was addressing. He also found that he had to address something called Gnosticism um, back in his day. There was all kinds of erroneous teaching back then that needed to be addressed. He says here that if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to avoid these things. You need to be alert to them. These things he says in another place are old old wives' tales. That's what he calls them, old wives' tales. The biggest threat in the Christian church today, I believe right now, is not legalism. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's not even necessarily erroneous teachings of Scripture. But I think it is what's happening with all these conspiracy theories that are going all over social media. That has really become a threat. So Paul wants his churches to focus on advancing God's work, which is by faith. That's what he says in verse 4. Alexander Pope, who was uh, an English poet in the 17th and 18th centuries, century, you know what he said? A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. There's a lot of people out there that have a little bit of knowledge. They read half an op-ed article. They read a little bit from a book. They listened to a little bit of a podcast. And they pass on information. They look at something that somebody posted on Facebook and without even stopping to pray about it, they, they send it out to all their friends. A little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing. These false teachers that Paul's talking about, they spoke with authority but had no idea what they were talking about. It's bad fruit. And Jesus warned his disciples. And this is what it says in Matthew 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Folks, there are people that are clothed like sheep that many Christians are listening to and watching and promoting and they're false prophets. He says, watch out for them. He said, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. What happens is they misguide believers who put so much faith in them, but they're being deceived. I remember watching prior to the 2020 presidential election in the United States, I watched and listened to and saw printed prophecies from TV preachers and so on who said that Donald Trump was going to win the 2020 election. I have no problem if if people vote for Trump or they voted for Biden. That's not the point. 
But they made these prophecies. When it didn't happen, they had to come up with a conspiracy of a stolen election. And folks, you might believe that. But here's the point. In the Bible, it says if what a prophet says doesn't come true, there's a way to handle that. And people didn't handle it that way. What they said is, well, there must be another story here. There must be some conspiracy. Some of these, these prophets who made false prophecies, some came out and came clean and said, I made a huge mistake. Please ignore what I said. Good for that person who did that. They were honest enough and had the courage to walk it back. So here's what our response needs to be, I believe. First of all, stand firm upon the Bible. Stand firm upon it. Know what it says. We just did a series called Rooted in the Word. Stand firm upon Scripture. Second thing, stand firm against conspiracy theories and false teachings. Know the difference between truth and error and between that which is false and spurious. Don't follow or support false prophets and teachers. Investigate diligently to make sure that who you're following is orthodox. Be an example of tolerance and love in the midst of all this controversy. I really think we need to be an example of love. Uh, Even if people look at us with suspicion, even if people treat us badly, even if people call us names, what's our response? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Near the end of 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because they produce quarrels. He says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. He said, opponents, so I'd say people that promote conspiracy theories, I say these are opponents, they must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. And that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. So here's the thing. What St. Augustine said, in the essentials unity, in the non-essentials liberty, and in all things love. You know what? What's essential? You know, we believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. We believe in the trinity. We believe in the, the atonement of Jesus on the cross. We believe in his bodily resurrection from the dead. We believe in his ascension. We believe uh, in, in, in the inspiration of Holy Scripture. You know, these are essentials. This is what unites us and binds us together. We have the same Holy Spirit who lives in us and through us and empowers us. That's essential. In the non-essentials, things like different modes of baptism. Should baptism be by immersion, by pouring, by sprinkling? You know, whatever. Or, you know, people say, well, how often should you have the Lord's Supper and have communion, you know, like the Eucharist, every week, once a month? The Bible doesn't tell you. You know, that, give liberty. These are non-essentials in terms of exactly when and how and how often. He says, in the essentials unity of the non-essentials liberty, in all things, love. We may not always agree, but we must always love. So I want us to pray. Father, thank you 
for this opportunity to meet today. Thank you for the wonderful time of worship. And so, Father, right now, I want to pray for the church, not just First Church, but for the church everywhere globally, that we would be a church. And I want you to pray along with me as you're seated there. Please, just pray along with me. Just make this your prayer, that we would be a church that would know, thus saith the Lord, that we would know God's Word, and that we would know the difference between that which is essential and that which is not essential. That we'd be the church, a church that knows the difference between truth and error. That we'd be a church that's grounded on the Word of God. A church that stands firm on the teaching of the apostles and prophets in the Bible. A church that unites around that which is essential, but makes allowance for people to differ over things that are not essential. A church that is ready to watch over God's flock and to protect God's people from false teaching that is harmful and destroys relationships. A church that has the courage to call out false teaching in harmful conspiracy theories. A church that extends grace to our adversaries and seeks to win them back in a spirit of humility. Teach us humility, Lord. We're not always right. But most of all, a church that is fiercely loyal to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Above all. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.